Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What's going on, CEOs? The Nero B here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, we're here with Thomas Funke. Thomas is the co-founder and CEO of Tomorrow University of Applied Sciences, a remote-first university helping people make an impact at scale. He has always been passionate about education and entrepreneurship, with more than 15 years experience in the education sector and entrepreneurial spaces. In 2016, Thomas funded the Frankfurt-based Tech Quarter, a startup hub, co-working space, and community place. Since then, he has helped aspiring startups on their path to success. Today, we're going to be talking about learning and about remote work. Very excited for this chat. Let's get started. Thomas, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm very excited for you to be here. And I ask this question to every single one of my guests. Can you tell me what you were doing before you became an entrepreneur and what made you become one? Wow, that's a very good starting question. Um, so before I became an entrepreneur, I would say uh, I, I I was a kid. Um so um, that, that, that was my, <laughs> that was uh, actually my starting point. But the interesting story is I, I never wanted to become an entrepreneur at a certain point in time um, because my parents, uh, for example, they're also both entrepreneurs and they went through uh, troubling times um, and I didn't want to have these troubling times. Uh, and then from being a kid, I turned to become a student uh, because I, I thought, no, I really need to get a decent job, learn a lot, get a great degree in order to be attractive for the job market. But during the studies, I realized that entrepreneurship is really the topic of my heart. And then I even studied entrepreneurship, did my PhD in entrepreneurship um, to then finally start my own businesses. Yeah. That's very interesting about PhD, about entrepreneurship. This is a side question, but I'm very interested in, in asking you this. What did you guys focus on when you're putting together all your research material and and, uh, and everything else? Uh, so what what I personally focused on is I tried to 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 decode uh, entrepreneurs and how they try to solve problems, um, and then specifically also how did how they position themselves compared to larger organizations. So how is it actually possible that they can achieve a lot with not a lot of resources as compared to the big uh, companies and the big corporates that usually have a lot of resources? So it's more on the the DNA, but not only the DNA, the way how entrepreneurs actually try to build their businesses, design their businesses, and how they select the problems and uh, how they do that. But there's many other things. It's not only about uh, the mind of an entrepreneur, so it's about the methodologies that entrepreneurs use, the tools that they can, they can use, the partnerships that they form. So this is uh, mainly what I focused on. That is so 
cool. That's absolutely cool. Never really heard anything like this before. And that's why I wanted to ask you. Now, Thomas, let's talk about what you've done now, though. You built your business uh, to more university. Do you talk, can you tell us a bit more about what made you start a university like the one you have right now? Uh, absolutely. So um, education has always been my passion. So um, when I was young, when I was 15, for example, I started to to teach tennis lesson, lessons. And, and what really sparked my interest um, was the growth in individuals to see when they learned new things uh, that this led to an incredible amount of self-empowerment and it strengthened their self-efficacy. And that kind of, I mean, I was never really explicit about these things. I just enjoyed doing these things. And as I said earlier, it's like uh, after being a kid, uh, I joined university, learned about entrepreneurship and all of these things. And um, at university, when I was doing my PhD, I also enjoyed a lot the, the education part. So creating new classes, uh, trying to develop methods that help students to start businesses. So that was always my big, big passionate topics. Um, and I always kept one foot in the education industry, started a couple of businesses after I left, left university. Um, and then especially during the pandemic, I realized that education is not working in a way it should. So we or mainly used um, the traditional logic of educating our next generations and put one layer on top, which was the video call. So instead of sitting in large lecture halls, people used the video call to edu educate people and people were locked in eight hours in front of Zoom calls. And that was the moment when I thought there are so many great learning technologies out there. There are so many people willing to actually learn and learn also in a way that is effective. And that actually led me to, um, yeah, to start thinking of creating uh, not only a learning technology, but uh, an entire university that focuses on that. So it's really about effective learning, challenge-based learning, and uh, mastering competencies through challenges, and not only passively consuming content or, yeah, sometimes I call it the Netflix of education. So it's really about uh, effective learning and focusing on the most relevant competencies of the 21st century. That sounds, there's a lot to unpack here because, you know, like many entrepreneurs, I myself went through the the whole thing of, uh, of COVID and the lockdowns and not being able to really like go to an office. I was already a remote, you know, we already had a remote business uh, for quite a while, actually, but, but I saw, yeah, technology just uh, came in, like we're on Zoom right now. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people even take classes through Zoom. Can you tell us what's different between what you are doing, actual examples of what's different that you're doing with your students and with your clients, basically, uh, as to, you know, compared to another type of uh, university? Yeah, absolutely. So um, actually, it's not rocket science, because learning scientists found uh, already in the 80s that uh, project-based learning, active, le active learning, challenge-based learning leads to way better results uh, in terms of learning than the more traditional classroom method. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you look at the classroom method, people talk at you, and uh, you're actually disseminating knowledge, right, mainly. And of course, it's also about the debate in the classroom, but it's really... Uh, a traditional way of trying to get the knowledge into the head of people. Mm -hmm. The active learning part gets knowledge out of the head, 
right? So that's the that's the big difference. So what we do is we present our learners with a challenge, um, and then they have to work on that challenge. Just to give you one example, there's a large logistics company in Germany um, that actually says until 2025, we need to reduce our CO2 footprint by at least 30%. Um, and then our learners find ways to help that organization achieving that. And there's also many other challenges that are presented. Um, and then the, the learners actively learn, but are not just doing that challenge thrown in the cold water. They get the relevant content, the relevant knowledge, the substance um, also. And the university becomes more a content repository where they can actively get the content from while actually solving the challenge. Wow, that's actually fantastic. I was I heard about uh, something like this in the past, uh, and I think I was I, it was an Elon Musk interview when he talked about this similar concept of 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 teaching kids and adults even uh, by by letting them do the work and then finding out the solution with like you said with the right tools and with the right resources, but getting the brain involved in the process, not just memorizing and taking notes. And this is fantastic. Now, you know, it wouldn't be called the remote CEO show if we didn't talk about the remote aspect of, of the business. And I wanted to ask you, you know, building a team of specialists that are actually going there to you know teach and to empower students. How hard was it? How did you find talent and how are you managing your team? That's a very good one. I mean, we're, we are a remote first university, meaning that our learners are all around the globe. And the, the same is true for, for, um, for our people. So everybody is actually spread all over the world. We have, we counted it. I think we have 31 nations now uh, in total. So it's really wow. a, a totally global team. Um, and actually, that was a huge benefit uh, when it comes to attracting talent, um, because you can actually access a pool that is all over the world. So that was in terms of recruiting a big, big benefit. Um, but of course, as 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 you most of the time do it when you're starting to build a team, you start with your personal network. I mean, that, that's the first thing you bring in the people that you trust. Uh, you bring in the people that you know you can work with well. That was the initial phases. But then, uh, of course, once things get a little more professional, it's actually outstanding that you can um, in in and that was mainly due to the pandemic. Thanks to the pandemic, because there's so many that now say I want to work remote. It's not then the that I want to be forced to be at one place. Um, so it helped in terms of management. I have to admit that it was uh, a bit of a challenge for me to adapt um, to leading and growing a company remote, um, especially the more casual communications part falls short because you're trying to schedule your day, the week, uh, and all of the leadership topics um, in a very different way. So when I all of my previous businesses, I did run uh, on site uh, with, uh, yeah, with an office. And here yeah. there's a lot of things that can happen between the line and conversations that were not planned two days ahead. Um, and this was actually the biggest or is still one of the biggest challenges that we currently see with that global community and global team that we actually have. Absolutely. And I hear that first off, I, I experienced it firsthand in my business. We have uh, we have um, staff members across 15 different time zones. So that's also not easy to deal with. But um, when it comes to leadership, so um, if it's okay for you to share maybe a couple of 
uh, habits that you've instilled in, in, you know, in your management style, maybe like organizing biweekly meetings to get everybody on the same page. What's been working so far, even though, of course, it's still a bit challenging. Yeah, so the I think structure, that's the one thing that you have, weekly kickoffs, weekly demo sessions. We have uh, every Wednesday, so that's Monday, Friday, every Wednesday we have a so-called butterfly session where we try to educate each other. Um, then we have, of course, clearly timed one-on-one, -on -one, so it's the meeting structure that needs to be very neat. Um, that worked out pretty well. Then the second thing, uh, but that's not too different from a non-remote company, is uh, having very clear OKRs and KPIs and also projects defined. Um, and then there's a lot of documentation happening. I would say way more documentation than I had in my previous companies. So you update each other asynchronously through our database uh, on the OKRs, on the KPIs. Um, so these are the things that really work well. Um, but then you also need to put a lot of effort into um, um, yeah, the, the more cultural things. Uh, and we, what we, for example, have, we have two times a year a so-called workation where we bring everybody together for a week. Um, and this is really the time when, yes, we are working, we're trying to get things done, but it's at also the time when you have these casual, informal communica communications and, and talks as well. So that's just some examples of what has really worked well for us. That is fantastic to hear that uh, you're still able to get people from 31 countries in one spot and, and kind of work together for that week. Um, some businesses that are not able to do that possibly yet because maybe they're still too small or their budgets are not as big. Uh, what do you think is, you know, one of the most uh, effective ways to get everybody on the same page uh, without having to organize, you know, like a full in-person meeting or a full person week? If you were to pick one. I think that... The, the Ah, that's a that's a tough one. I think it's it's very very clear communication, uh, leadership wise. Um, and 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 if you think of your your vision, your mission, your how how you're going to translate that into very clear objectives, key results, and KPIs, then it's about a very good way, an effective way of communicating that. And with communicating, I don't mean the the only the verbal meetings that you have, like the weekly kickoffs. It's really about the documentation. And for that, we, for example, use Notion, um, which is our wiki, which which yeah serves incredible, uh, uh, yeah, which which is really incredibly uh, helpful with regards to asynchronous communication. Okay, that's fantastic. So now I want to switch gears for a second, and I wanted to ask you a question about marketing and how are you, we actually talked about this at the very beginning of the conversation when you were saying you found fascinating how small businesses and startups and new entrepreneurs are able to compete in a market where there are already some titans. So tell us what has been your experience in the past couple of years and what's been working for you to carve uh, your own piece of the market? So I think what, what is becoming incredibly important is the, and it, it's not necessarily only in the past years, but it's the, the, the topic of storytelling. So it, all of my businesses, at least the, this one, like the Tomorrow University, and then also the previous one, Tequatir, they were so serving an, I find, incredibly strong mission. Um, but that mission is worth nothing if you're not able to tell the right stories. 
So it's for us, for example, now with the university, we're saying that we want to accelerate towards a more um, sustainable society. And that's the one thing. We want to use technology to make learning more effective. Mm -hmm. These are just words and sentences if you don't if you don't have the right stories to support that. So how do I alert our learners actually create impact? How do they actually change the world for the better? Um, or how do we use technology to make learning more effective? How does this challenge-based learning actually work? Um, so yes, of course, there's the performance channels and all of these things where you can experiment really fast as a startup as compared to the more larger organizations. But I think what becomes so, so valuable in terms of marketing for any entrepreneur is the communication skills and it's the storytelling skills. That's what I, uh, what I personally always saw. Um, it's yeah, really helpful to have to, to really double down on that. Absolutely. And, uh, I have to say that, uh, if a business is not able to articulate exactly what they stand for, but not only in a mission, you know, kind of up in the air, way but actually to bring that to reality and to show their potential clients what they're capable of doing uh like you said it's just going to be a mission it's not going to really like resonate with people that are going to you know choose them to work with you um thomas i want and to can, ask, yeah sorry go ahead go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt <laughs> just wanted to say it can even backfire so if if you define your values, if you define your mission, if you define your North Star and you write that yeah. down, but then you don't live it, if, if, if it doesn't become a virtue, um, it has a negative effect. So I, I really am a firm believer that the big advantage that any startup has is that the entrepreneurs behind and the initial team members, mm -hmm. they are really in love with the mission. Otherwise, they would not have created this business. And that's why they're so incredibly strong in communication, sales, marketing, right? And that's precisely the big advantage that they have uh, compared to, for example, stock-owned uh, companies where the, the founder is long gone. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that actually takes me to another part. Of, I didn't think I was going to bring this up, but you just really did right now. And, and I wanted to go back to the fact that when we were talking about how you're going to choose people to work for you and how you're going to be able to manage them. I think that out of all types of businesses, remote businesses require the most uh, ability to to scout the right people, people that are a going to be able to work on their own without having someone, you know, right behind them looking at their screen while they're working. And so self-starters, people that are totally bought in the mission, because if you hire someone and not bought in to what you guys are doing, it's going to be very hard for you to see if they're actually doing work and if they're doing it well. And so I think that's that's, that's absolutely fantastic what you just brought up. Listen, Thomas, is there anything else that uh, you guys are working on right now, moving into the second quarter of 2023 that you want to share with our audience that you're excited about? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, the, the the past year was really, I mean, we celebrated our accreditation as a university. We, we launched bachelor programs. So there were a couple of new programs that we brought on the market. This year, uh, 2023, is all about making our programs more accessible um, because we're moving towards stackable degrees. So it's not only about buying a full bachelor's or buying a full master's. You can um, actually enroll into so-called impact degree, which is a 10-week uh, program. You also get awarded credit points for that. 
And then if you like that, if it could be, for example, get funding ready, it could be how learn how to think and act like an entrepreneur, how to become more resilient. That's 10 week experiences. And if you like that, then you can actually go, go and, and move towards uh, enrolling into a full program. So we're making the entire learning experience uh, more accessible. That's the focus this year. But of course, also entirely new programs are going to be launched uh, this year. That's that's fantastic. Thomas, it was great having you on the show. And I'm sure that my listeners will want to know more about uh, Tomorrow University and about you. So where can people find you guys online? Um, very simple. Our webpage uh, is tomorrow.university. Um, so you find us under that name and then me personally, um, also on LinkedIn. Um, so that, that's the two, two, two main channels. So, um, and if you're interested in any of the programs, then there are open challenges you can roll, roll on. That's even shorter learning experiences. We have info sessions. So, but, uh, yeah, happy also to, 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 uh, meet people if they're interested and explain more about the learning, uh, the learning experience in the curricula. Fantastic. Again, Thomas, thank you so much for being at the Remote CEO Show. I'm looking forward to having you back in the future. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for having me. And yeah, enjoy the rest of your day too. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at B. D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B and I will send you the direct link to the review section and to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again and I will talk to you again soon.